Mark chapter 8. We're going to read a short portion of scripture and then just get right into this tonight. How many is happy in Jesus? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the only way to be. That's the only way to be. I've entitled this tonight. I'm going to get right into this for the sake of time. The eternal mystery, the soul. And um, I want to say this before I get started, that one of the main purposes of me teaching this tonight or sharing this with you tonight is, first of all, because I want us to understand some things about the soul because of the generation that we're living in, how to talk to people or at least engage them in a conversation uh, that will cause them to think. Because you may not see somebody converted right in front of you. You may not win them at the moment, but you can at least plant that seed and cause them to begin to think. Okay? Even with the cults, and I've dealt with people that were Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, and, uh, you know, even with the cults, as you begin to, and yes, they're cults. Amen. There's no, you know, uh, but as you begin to, uh, deal with them and begin to talk to them, actually what you have to put in their mind or God puts in their mind is doubting what they believe because it's such a stronghold of religion and false religion. But God can begin to reveal things through his word and makes us stop and ponder about things concerning the soul. So I want, if there's somebody here tonight, which I don't, you know, I don't have my glasses on, but I I think we're all home folks here. But I want us to think about the soul. I want you to learn how to talk to somebody about the soul and consider the things about the soul. And then at the end, I want us to just rejoice in the fact that we're born again and that our soul has been redeemed. Amen. Because, you know, there's that side of it, and then there's the side we're on, and we're on the winning side. Amen. And so tonight, in the Word of God, Mark chapter 8, Jesus said in verse 36, He said, I flipped one too many pages here. Here we go. He said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I I, I understand there's more to this if you read the whole chapter and how Jesus got to this place where he said what he said. And we'll, we'll hit on that in just a moment about taking up your cross in a little bit. But I want us to focus for just the, the sake of the text, the eternal mystery of the soul. And Jesus said, what would a man profit if he gained the whole world? but lost his soul? And what would he give in exchange for his soul? Those are two questions that's presented in actually two different ways. But let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the word, for the worship that we offered up unto you, God, the prayers and the spirit of God that we feel. We know we can come to church and be with the body of Christ and, Lord, receive something. We're not uh, we're not people that belong uh, in a dead religion, but, God, we've got a living Christ, a living God with a living word and a living message and a living Holy Spirit that lives within us, Lord. And tonight we've come to rejoice in that. But Lord, let us tonight uh, effectively, Lord, uh, minister and teach this thought on the soul. And Lord, talk to us. Help us, Lord, and encourage us tonight in your word. And we thank you and praise you 
Help me tonight, Lord. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm teaching on this because it's our job to keep the faith. And it's Satan's job to destroy your faith. Just remember that. It's our job to keep the faith. faith fight the good fight of faith. Maintain uh, a, a faith in Christ Jesus. And we do that by feeding ourselves upon the word of God. Spending time in prayer. Every time I go to prayer, I leave there encouraged. I can't even think of a time that I that I remember. And, and if there has been a time... There was far more times that I have met with God and left there fulfilled and satisfied. And I never can say that I remember leaving a time in prayer where I didn't feel God's spirit in his presence. Because that's the faith that I have, the expectation when I go to my knees to pray is that God's going to meet me there, amen? When I go to the word of God, I go there to eat. I go there to begin to partake. And God always speaks to us whenever we we read his word. And so uh, our job is to build up ourselves on this most holy faith, earnestly contend for it. You've heard me preach that for years. And the devil's job is to destroy your faith. That's the truth. And I can tell you, he gets up earlier than you do. Probably. So, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm just being real. Come on, let's be real. There's people who say, I don't believe the devil. I said, I'm going to tell you, I said, he's, he's real. But so is our God. He's more real. Amen. So, we need a fresh reminder of these scriptures that we read so as not to allow them to slip or, or, or us to neglect them. It was, uh, the writer of Hebrews that said, you know, that, that, uh, we, we ought not to let these things slip. And the scripture was right there in my mind and it escaped me, but I, I know it's in Hebrews whenever he said, uh, uh in the word of God that we don't want to let those things, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. We don't want to let these things slip from us, but we want to maintain that faith. And every day the Lord said, you come and you'll derive what you need from my word and in prayer. Now, Jesus in this text is asking two questions because we're getting into the soul. Why do we need to be encouraged in the faith and encourage ourselves? Because the devil's after your soul. He's after the soul of men. And Jesus asked two questions. What will you profit if you, uh, what will you profit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? And then he asked the second question. What would you give in exchange for your soul? And uh, some have sold their soul to the devil for fame, for fortune, for success, for money, for a lot of other things. And some don't even get that much gratification. They exchange their soul for much less. Amen. There's some people you can look and you go, yeah, they got a lot for selling their soul to the devil. Then there's other people that, that they, they just, they're in a whirlwind of unknowns and, and, and confusion. And they think they're smart or intelligent. But if you don't know God, you're dumb. Amen. If you don't serve God, you're dumb. And so I'm just telling you right now, well, pastor, you shouldn't say it's in the Bible. John the Baptist was dumb, not John the Baptist, uh, uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was dumb until the Holy Ghost came through me. He spoke that faith. Amen. He was dumb. And I know you're saying, well, he wasn't talking or anything. He was dumb. That's what the Bible says. 
Come on now. But you, you look at people and they think they're spiritual and smart and all of this. I said, if you don't serve Jesus, you're not smart. Because I can tell you, go through life, going through a lot of things you ought not to do and don't have to, but that's your choice. But some have sold their soul for fame and fortune and success, and some don't even get that much. But I want you to think about this truth. How valuable, how valuable is your soul? How valuable is it that both God and the devil are trying to get it or influence you to an eternity in their direction? Actually, God already has the power of the placement of our eternal soul because uh, he created our soul, but he gives us the choice to decide in reality where we're going to spend eternity. But their enemy is trying to influence us to go to the way of rejecting God and an eternity without God. And God is trying to get us to come back in alignment with him and be born again, that our soul would ultimately end up in eternity where it belongs, amen, in the, in, in heaven and in eternity with God. But the soul is a mysterious thing. I want you to think about this for just a moment. It's a mysterious thing, and I'm going to prove it to you uh, in these questions that I'm getting ready to present before you. Why is it a mysterious thing, Pastor? Because there's questions that you and I really can't answer about the soul, but we know that they're legitimate and they're a reality. Number one, where was your soul before you were born? Can anybody answer that? No. We know biblically that we were a living soul, but we don't know our origin and, and beginning before, you know, a certain amount of age in our life. We don't know that the answer to that question, where our soul was before birth. Where is our soul located in our body? We can't determine that either. We don't know that. We know it exists, but we don't know where it's at, but we know it's there. How can it exist separate from the body? We don't have an answer to that question either. Nor do we know um, this answer either. Does our soul speak? Does it hear? Does it have shape? These are some unknowns that we don't know. But we do know some things from the Word of God and from our experience. And I want you to think about these tonight. Because when you present the question of the gospel to somebody, one of the things that you have to get them to understand is, number one, they have an eternal soul. Every one of us are eternal souls. And if they're, if we are eternal souls, whenever we go into eternity, we're going to go somewhere. And where are we going to go? That depends, right? There are some things we know about the soul. Number one, it is distinct from the body. Because we have desires that are not physical, but spiritual. Amen? We have desires that are spiritual and not physical. When I get hungry for food, it's a natural physical thing. There's nothing spiritual about that. Let's just call it what it is. It's hunger. The soul... However, though, can be a deep, dark pit, empty and in despair, in a host and a myriad of unknowns. And that's where a lot of people are, a lot more than we realize. Or it can be full of God with the answers that satisfy our full and fulfill us. We can be an empty soul, an empty vessel, if you will, but I'll just say empty soul for the sake of the message that can be in darkness and in depravity 
and lost and full of unknowns and mysteries and questions that if we would just get, if people would just come to Jesus, they would get their answers or they would get a satisfaction even if they didn't get the answer. Because he says, I'll give you peace that passes all your understanding. So the soul is definitely distinct from the body because we have desires that are not physical but spiritual. Our soul can be miserable when the body is satisfied. That's true. The soul thinks. It thinks early in life. When we were little children, there was things that we felt. I remember being a little boy and sitting in church and hearing the organ player play and the preacher would say, now you can talk to God. And I would sit there for three minutes and I would just listen to that organ play. And I remember sitting in that pew and just saying, Lord, I know you're real. I feel you. And I would just talk to God and I would say, I want to know you. I want to, I want to know who you are, God. I didn't sit there and pilfer through a, a, a hymnal. I didn't go through and write on the tithing envelopes. I didn't waste the time whenever the pastor said we can talk to God. I began to talk to God as a young person, as a young child, being a little boy in church. So in our early life, our soul thinks. At death's door, your soul thinks. You know how I know that? Because I've been there at the last minutes with people taking their last breath. And I can tell you, that soul begins to think. There's people that even rejected God or they walked away from God. And when they're on their deathbed, they're calling for a preacher or a priest. Somebody come talk to me, please, please. That's why they got to give them all this medicine to calm them down. Because where there's no peace with God, there ain't going to be any peace in death. I was in a, I was in a Christmas party one time and I've shared this before of a, a nurse that I worked with and she was talking about how people die peacefully. And we had a Christian doctor there and he said, Oh, I've seen that. He goes, but I've also seen people on their deathbed. And he said, the horror on their face like this, as they were, as they were going into eternity and they were seeing, you know, uh, their maker, they were meeting with their creator and the horror on their face of whatever they saw. And the nurse got so mad. She goes, I don't believe that. And he goes, well, I don't care what you believe. I've seen it. I've done surgery and watched people die on the operating table and watch the horror in their face. And he goes, there is a God in eternity. And not everybody dies in peace. Only those that die in Christ that have the peace of God and peace with God. But when, when, when she was vehemently upset. She was angry. It was, um, a Gilbert had a, a friend and him and his wife and another couple went to Hawaii. This was several weeks ago or a couple months ago. They went to Hawaii and the man had a massive heart attack out on the beach in the ocean. They pulled him in and they kept reviving him and he came to and they said the things that he began to say in horror. It was like, Oh God. And it wasn't a like, oh, wow, Jesus. It was, uh-oh. That was what was conveyed to me. So I know that the soul thinks whenever it's young. It thinks whenever it's at death's door. And the Bible says it even thinks after death. 
Because the rich man was in hell, and he said, you remembered whenever you were faring sumptuously in Lazarus with all of his sores was at your doorstep, and you didn't even give him the crumbs from the, from the table. You know, the dogs came and licked his sores. That's the parable Jesus shared. But he said, the rich man was in hell, so the soul in hell thinks. Think about all this. It's all there. We've known it's been there. We just didn't realize it. But the soul thinks. The soul is lonely. It's born alone. Oftentimes it lives alone and it dies alone. I remember accepting Christ. You die alone. But in Christ we have that peace. I remember being a little boy and I was thinking about this. About how when I was about second or third grade, my teacher sent me down to the principal's office. I didn't live there like some people, but I had to be sent there a time or two. And I remember walking, she'd say, go on down there to the principal's office. And I knew that was back when you could paddle kids. Yeah, we need that again. Now they've got commercials. Just let the dragon out. Just Have you seen that ridiculous commercial? Amen. It got parents there. Okay, Johnny, just let the dragon fire out. When you get mad, this is what you do. Ah, like that. I thought, my goodness, <laughs> it's a commercial. I'm not lying. I've seen it two or three times. I looked at my mother-in-law and I said, you know what? They need to teach them just to overcome their anger. And I know they're saying that, but it's ridiculous. I said, there's some things I said a good old paddling would take care of. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know why I never smarted back to my mom? That's right. She never put me in timeout one time. She never put my backside in a corner. She'd say, you kids are getting a belt when you get home. I picked up a big old jar of pickles one time at Shop and Save and dropped it. It, it shattered. Well, my mom, you know, we lived on a fixed income sheet. Not fixed, but, you know, it was fixed to us. You know, amen. Always talk about white privilege. I said, I, never, I know nothing about that. Amen. All I know is block cheese and, you know, and, and, and everything else, you know, but my mom took care of us. Thank God. She was a wonderful, is a wonderful mother, but a great provider and everything whenever she was raising us alone. So I'm just saying that I give kudos to my mom just in case she's watching. But I remember I dropped that jar of pickles, you know, and I thought, Oh Lord. And I walked away out of that aisle. And my mom said, you're getting a spanking when you get home. You're getting the belt when you, and my mom, if she told you that, you can, for, you can forget her forgetting it because she would never forget it. But back in the day, when you could get spanked at school and it was good for you, that's against the law in California. But I remember walking down that hallway and just thinking, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. And that was the longest walk down to that principal's office. As I walk, I just look and I just think, oh, my goodness, I'm for surely going down the corridor of hell, you know, going to that principal's office. And I'd get, you know, a paddling or I'd get a chewing or whatever. And I knew I was going to get in trouble when I got home. What I'm trying to say to you is that the Lord reminded me of that long walk down to the principal's office. I was all alone. 
But, 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 and, and the devil wants us to think we're all alone. That's an antichrist spirit. But the Bible says, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yea, though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll, you don't have to fear no evil because I'm with you. Amen. My rod and my staff are going to comfort you. Praise the Lord. But, you know, being a, a young boy, I was scared to death, you know, but I'm so thankful that I have my Jesus, amen, that he is my comforter, he is beside me, and that my soul, amen, can be satisfied in him, and I can have a peace down deep inside. But I'm just sharing with you all of the things about the soul. The soul is restless. It seeks rest, always and everywhere, it's constantly seeking for... I'm not just talking about you and I. We have rest in Christ Jesus. We have peace in Christ Jesus. We have the peace of God and peace with God. But the people that don't have that in the world, they don't have Christ. They're constantly seeking some kind of a rest, some kind of a comfort, some kind of a solace. That's why they drink. That's why they do drugs. That's why they try to fulfill it with some kind of a sexual gratification or an ambition in life. And 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 they're trying to fill the void down deep inside of their soul, but they're always restless. And they drink in earthly pleasures to obtain rest, but they never find any. And it is ever searching, the soul is, seeking to gain knowledge and learn, but comes up empty without God. I was reading today in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, I got some scripture. I'm going to try my best to get through here as quickly as I can. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of, but lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. That's a huge one. Despisers of those that are good. There are people that just simply by the fact that you serve God despise you. There is an antichrist spirit in that world that despises anything that's Christ. You hear me? We know that. They despise it. But he said, Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but not denying the power thereof from such turn away. He said, for of this sort are they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's the scripture I want you to get. Ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. That is a soulish, soulish thing for people. And you'll notice there's people that reject God, but then there's people, even after they've rejected God, they're still trying to get some kind of rest, some kind of peace, some kind of meaning or purpose in their life outside of God. It doesn't work like that. You'll never have it. They'll never have it. We have it. They'll never have it. We have Jesus. So. I, I share all this with you because, and I'm going to leave them completely nameless, but there's somebody that I know that at one time said they were a believer. And 
they abandoned that. And they tried to go down the road of drinking. That didn't work. They tried to go down the road of drugs. That didn't work. They tried ambition. That didn't work. They tried sexual gratification, you know, with multiple partners or whatever. That didn't work. So now they've abandoned all of that. And they're trying to live an upstanding life without God. Trying to live a, 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 what I'll call a, a, not a fruitful life, but for lack of a better word, a fruitful or profitable life, you know, without God. And they've tried everything. You'll notice people will say, well, I tried this religion or I tried Buddhism or I tried this. I tried Eastern. Uh, mysticism or mythology or whatever. I've tried all of these different things and nothing worked. And I'm still searching. Well, this particular person will sit and listen songs where they drowned in their sorrow. They're not even involved in the addictive personality that they were before. But they'll sit there. Instead of reaching out to God, they'll sit there in their soul and just be miserable. It's like Pastor uh, Clendenin used to say, they're on their way to hell, living in hell. We can be on our way to heaven, living in heaven. There are people that are on their way to hell, living in heaven. Every day of their life. You know, every time you turn on the, 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 uh, I turn on um, the news and I say news on my phone, I have uh, different news, uh, internet news that I read. And every day there's another person that's a celebrity that's committing suicide. Every day. It's like every day, every day. Every, I said the Power Ranger guy committed suicide. You know, you can have all these things that in life, but still be empty inside. That's why we need Jesus. And people need to understand I am a living soul. And I have an eternity. And the reason that they feel all of the things that they feel is because they've embraced death over life. They've chosen the knowledge, the tree of knowledge over the tree of life. That's it in a nutshell. We could go into all the specifics of the tree of knowledge, but they've chosen the tree of knowledge over the tree of life. And if they would just, if they would just partake of the tree of life, they would understand that it answers everything. Because that's the prescription that you need for your soul. Amen? Praise God. But people who have tried drugs and booze and sex and money, all of these pursuits in life and these things to try to numb their pain or to try to give them fulfillment, they always come up empty. They exchange it for something empty. It even says that in Jude. They're, they, they, they're, they become like clouds without any rain. There's no substance in their life. There's nothing there because that soul is empty. So you're either going to come to Jesus or you're going to continue to search and never find what you're looking for. And outside of Christ, that's so sad because you could have the answer, but you don't. Today, as I was, as I was, um, as I was looking at this person that I am talking about and I'm speaking of without mentioning their name, I was just so broken down deep inside. I went into my office and I just began to pray. And I just said, Lord, they rejected you and now they've tried everything. And and now they're not even getting the gratification of the things that they had before, which was the pleasures of sin, as wrong as they were. They're not even getting that anymore. They're holding on to this, trying to find and search for something outside of Christ. And they're empty. 
And so they're listening to music about drowning their sorrow and drinking and demons inside and everything else, rather than embracing the life that they could have. And I broke and I said, God, I'm I'm just, I don't even know what to say, but I feel so bad for them, but I'm praying because you're not willing that any would perish, but that it all come to repentance. And I said, Lord, please. And I believe, it is my belief that when God begins to lay somebody on your heart, that you begin to grieve and mourn and travail in brokenness for them, God is going to work on them. He's going to touch them. That's the whole purpose that he laid them on your heart so that you could pray that God would touch them. Have you ever been there? I know you have where you just cried and said, God, please. I mean, I cried. I said, Lord, you know, I love this person and I'm praying, Lord, that they will see the reality, you know, because they don't even know that I realize this about them, but they despise me. They don't say that, but they despise me, but I love them. I love them. And on my face, I'm loving them because I can't just reach out to them and say, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. They would say, I don't want to hear anything about it, you know. And so you just have to let God do that work and he will. But the fact of the matter is this, what I'm trying to say, and I believe you're understanding and getting is that we have a soul and without God, it's empty. That's their problem. That's the problem. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I know how it feels for Jesus to fill it. You know how it feels for Jesus to fill it. How how it feels for that there to be peace and fulfillment and satisfaction. The greatest tragedy is that we live in a Christian culture that does not get down to the root of the soul or evangelize people in such a way. Amen. We tell them God loves them when they don't even believe in God. But I can tell you, they believe that there's something beyond this life. They know that. And that's why they have to understand they have, they're a living soul. So if I'm a living soul and I die and go into eternity, you know, it was Caitlyn Jenner. Gosh, I've called him Caitlyn Jenner for so long, I can't even think of his first name, Bruce. Isn't that sad? I now recognize, I now, you know, I recognize. It's so sad. I had to think, I grew up with that guy on the Wheaties box for crying out loud. Come on now. Yes. I'm not being funny. I'm being serious. And so, and somebody asked him, you know, and he said, you know, and with tears streaming down his face, I hope. That when I get into heaven at the pearly gates, he said, I just hope I've done enough good things that he'll let me in. Tears streaming down his face. And I thought, you know what? At least he believes in eternity. Okay, so let's stop right there for just a second and say, okay, we got half the battle But I can tell you there's not a one of us in here that can do enough good works to inherit heaven. We only have heaven because Jesus did the work for us. 
and he shed his blood. And we put our faith and trust in him. And that's how we have salvation, not from stepping stones, not because I did this and this and did enough good works in my life that he's going to say, come on in. Because, because I can tell you, good people don't go to heaven, saved people do. But I'm not here to pick on our Jenner friend. I'm here to just tell you that that's the mentality of people and where we're living. And somebody needs to tell this generation. And when we evangelize, we need to tell them you are a living soul. And the reason that you feel the way you feel is because you're empty without God in it. Understand, you have to have Christ in it. And in this ungodly generation, the message first must be, do you realize that you're a living soul? Number two, or number one, do you understand that? Number two, do you understand you have an absolute eternity as a living soul? You know why Jesus said this in our text about how that what would a man exchange and what would a man give? What would he profit? Uh, if he gained the whole world and lost his soul, or what would he give in exchange for his soul? The reason that Jesus said this in our text is, is, is because after, after you take up your cross, after he spoke that you take up your cross and, and he re- actually rebuked Peter, he began to speak this right after that because what he was saying is that is what it's all about. That's what's at the root of it right there. Because if you believe in eternity and you believe you have a living soul, then you know that I have to, there's only one thing I can do, and that's submit to the the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth is a person. It's Jesus. And 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 the it's broken down in three things, you know. The truth is the reality of what it is. The way is to get there is Christ. And the life is the result of it. So we understand its reality, we know how to get it, and then we see the result of it. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Or as I put it, the truth and the way and the life. But whatever, he's all of those things together, Jesus is. But you know why Jesus said these things in our text after he said, take up your cross and follow me. And he also rebuked Peter because whenever he began to... um Peter began to rebuke him, Jesus, as he said to him, uh, you know, I'm going to die, and, I, you know, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go by way of the cross. It's all right there in chapter 8. And Peter began to rebuke him, and then he rebuked him back, and he said, you don't even realize what you're saying. You don't even realize. In fact, I'm going to go there and read it because I'm not quoting it correctly, but stay here with me. Matthew, Mark, chapter 8, and the Bible says this. I'll read it to you. The Bible says, and he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him. Uh, what, what did he speak? Verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. He didn't leave Peter or the disciples without a, a wonderful, hopeful ending or beginning, I should say. When he rose again and he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter. 
And he said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. In other words, you're living in your soul. You're living in the depth of your soul without God. And he said, what you are doing is you're saying, no, I don't want you to go to the cross, but I must go to the cross because if I don't go to the cross, you can't be saved, Peter, or nor anybody else. And you don't realize it, but the harsh truth is you must hear it. And then he began to go into, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, and the gospel's the same, shall save it. Then he goes into, this is coming down to your soul. you got to understand, for us to really, truly surrender our life unto the Lord, we have to take up our cross and follow him. A lot of people in Christianity only want God's forgiveness. They don't want to take up the cross and follow him. But taking up the cross and following him is surrendering the things in our life that God has commanded us to surrender and let go of. Ourself, our ambitious dying to ourself and saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. So whatever that is to you, wherever you're at, whatever God's, if, 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 if it's an, an addiction or something like that, a sinful addiction, God says to you, drop it, get rid of it. If it's whatever the sin is, you're supposed to repent of it and turn from it. That's taking up your cross, but it's more than that. It's getting out there and ministering to people and not being afraid of what man's going to say. Today I was driving and uh, the Lord, you know, I just had a wonderful time in prayer. And the Lord, I saw a man sitting by a bus stop and the Lord said, turn around and go talk to him. Don't look at me. Pastor, you should be able to talk to anybody. You know, there's certain people that's easy to talk to and others that isn't. And I find it easier to talk to people that I know or at least are acquainted with rather than to go up cold turkey and just, not cold turkey, but just go up and just talk to somebody. Just, I'm not a warm chatter person at first, you know. Aunt Maida used to walk up to everybody. She could just talk to anybody in a restaurant. She just talked to people and I was just like, does she do that? You know, you know, I, I, you know. There's other people in here. You can walk up to anybody. You don't have no problem at all. Well, I have a harder time with that at first. Once I get to know you, you know. But I mean, you know, and it kind of depends. It depends on the person. Don't even act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Because there's some people you can approach, and there's other people that you're a little bit reserved about approaching. The Lord said, "I felt that." There's times I drive by people I don't feel nothing. But when you drive by and you feel God go, you go, oh, Lord, you're the pastor. You're supposed to be able to do that. Hey, we all have things that we have difficulty doing. Don't act like you're not. We all have. So I pulled that truck around, and I parked it, and I walked down there. I grabbed one of those tracks, and I went down there, and I knelt down in front of him. And he just kind of looked at me like, who is this guy? And I said, hi, I was driving by. And I said, you know, the Lord spoke to me to come over here and give you one of these tracks. And I said, I want to invite you to my church. And I said, I got to be honest with you. I said, I've been pastoring for a long time. And I said, when I first started the church, I could go on the streets and I could talk to anybody. 
I said, but you know what happens? I said, we get in our bubble and I go and we lose touch with the reality of what we're supposed to be doing. And I said, so when God dealt with me, because I just, you know, came from a time of being alone with him in prayer, I said, he just dealt with me to let me come over here and invite you to church. And he grabbed that. He looked at it. He goes, okay, right on. You know, I was like, he goes, I live in La Habra. He goes, in fact, I live right down the street from this church. And I said, well, you should come. You're so close. I want to invite you. And I said, I, yeah, I would love for you to come. And he told me his name is Brandon. And, and so all that being said, you know, I said, well, nice to meet you. He shook my hand about squeezing, you know, my fingers together. I thought, hey, I'm a guitar player. Hold on here, buddy. But it just, you know, he had a good, nice handshake. I thought, well, I praise God, no fish here, brother. Okay. So I'm praying and believing God is going to come. Sometimes they may never come, or at least not in your surrounding or your circle, but God wanted to see if you were going to be obedient to him. And let me share something else with you. If you do that enough times, you'll gain the boldness to not be afraid to approach people. Amen? Because we all can, what I'm going to say, become handicapped in our our people skills or our skills outside of our comfort zone, right? You say, not me. All right, then. Next week, I want everybody sitting beside you that you've invited to the house of God. Amen. We all need work on that, myself included, all the way back to you. But I I, I want to get back to this because I want to finish this. I've got a few more thoughts I want to say, and then I'm going to dismiss you tonight. But. It means for him to, to speak that to Peter and to say the things that he said, and then also to say, you got to take up your cross and follow me. It meant that they understood something about eternity. Peter understood something about eternity. And uh, it's so easy for us to lose sight of that. That's why we got to be very, very careful, you know, because the devil wants us to become very churchy and comfortable in our environment. I've seen people that were in church so long that they came to a place to where when new people came in or people that kind of, kind of, you know, uh, uh, brought a different, they came in and they were new and it, it kind of disrupted what they liked in the church. And they were like, I like the church the way it used to be. And I said, well, when it used to be that way was whenever people were coming in and you were one of those people that came in that was new. And you got right with God, but see, you got comfortable in a religious setting. And now you want things to stay that way. You don't want them to change, but that's not reality. We're supposed to be going into all the world and preaching the gospel. There are people that are lost without God, and they're never going to know Christ until we tell them. Amen. They have a soul that's lost. We've got a soul that's been found and been redeemed. Greatest thing could ever happen, happen to us. We've got to tell them. We've got to share this with them because they're lost. But that's what it means to believe you have an eternal soul. And there is life beyond this soul. So you got to take up your cross and follow him. 
And that's not fanaticism. That's normal life. Amen. And people say, well, you know, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to be extreme like that. I said, extreme. Extreme. I said, no, that's the normal Christian life in the New Testament. That's not extreme. The church became religious, but the extreme people are the ones that turn the world upside down. The people that you think are extreme, but that's the New Testament church. That's the New Testament church. And I'm going to tell you something else. As you begin to step out of your comfort zone and go out and preach the gospel and minister the gospel, the devil's going to stir up the fire. You understand? He's going to stoke up and stir up the onslaught and attack. You know, uh, they did the, the ministry for the street, for the street ministry team, uh, did their, their Thanksgiving dinner and all of the people that came and served and they served a bunch of, 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 of people that were homeless on the streets, ministered to them. It was so awesome because everybody kind of found somebody that they could talk to. You know, Santo was speaking to people in Spanish. Uh, uh, Liz Munoz was speaking to people in Spanish and talking to them about God. And just different people were sitting talking to different people. I sat down and a gentleman come over and I was talking to him. Actually, he was talking more to me. And he, the more he talked, the matter he got. I didn't even say anything to him, but he was getting angry, you know. And I said, he was talking about things that happened in his life. And I was getting ready to say to him, well, the Lord. And he goes, all right, now I want you to stop right there. He goes, I don't want to hear no more about this God stuff. And I thought, I need this. <laughs> okay. And then he started talking and going on and on. He was angry and this and that, the city of La Habra and the police department and all this. And he got up and he walked away. And my kids are looking at me and they're like, what did you do? I, I was, what did you say to him? I said, nothing, nothing. I said, I did not say anything to him. I said, he got mad and left. He did all the talking. I said, I lived up to my own jargon where I tell you, just let people talk long enough and they'll answer their own questions. So he's talking and talking and talking. And, 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 and so he left. He was angry at the police department. And he came back. And he said, I, I, I just, I got to tell you, I'm sorry for leaving so quick. He said, I, 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 I don't want to do it. He said, I just want you guys to understand. He, all of this is going on. He just went into some dialogue. And I said, okay. But God said, you speak volumes when you say nothing in it's your spirit. It's your spirit. You've got a soul that has come to a place of understanding of eternity. And the Holy Ghost rests upon you. And all you have to do is just walk in that. And you can talk to people and minister to them. But there's times whenever you can't say nothing but who you are speaks out of the majesty. Right? I'm finished. Stay here. I'm just. You know, Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they did not know who they would reject. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, how they gather like a, like a mother hen would cover the chicks. 
he wept, the Bible says he wept, over Jerusalem. Our only hope is in Christ. And Paul wrote it in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that the hope is for us to believe and confess, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Amen. If you believe he rose from the grave, then you believe he died. So that is the way to salvation, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. And that is the awakening of the spirit and the soul. And this must be the message that we preach. Because the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, and I love this scripture. Stay here with me just for just a few more minutes. I promise you I'm not going to keep you all night. Just another hour. But in Ephesians chapter 2, this is what the Apostle Paul said to the people who had been become quickened and awakened in their soul and in their spirit. He said, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That is who we used to be, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, he said fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, thank God he loved us when he, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. We had a soul that was so deep and so dark and so empty and so rebellious and so turned from God, but he quickened us in our spirit and he woke us up spiritually. And in that spiritual awakening, he reveals to us and shows us in the process of that, alongside of that, that we have an eternal soul. And it changes everything because now you start looking eternal, uh, uh, heaven, and with eternity in mind or the uh, with an eternal point of view, And this scripture just leaped out at me in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. The Bible says, and Peter said this when he was preaching to them on the day of Pentecost, whom God hath raised up, speaking of Jesus, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. God wants to loose the pains of death off of people and they it, it cannot hold them there if they'll put their faith and trust in the Lord. That's the answer. We know the answer. And I'm not preaching to you something you do not know. I'm preaching to you to encourage you tonight to let you know that no matter who you see and what condition they're in or how dead they are in trespasses and sins, how completely convinced that there is no God, that there's no hope, and even those that are in deep 
pain. You would think that people that are in deep pain and depression and sorrow and grief, that they would cry out to God, but they stay there in that miserable place. But if they know that there's somebody that knows God, if they know that there's somebody that's been changed by God, if they see that you have a testimony that you, such were some of you, amen, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but he quickened you, he quickened me. Because you cried out to God and the eternal life cannot die. It lives in you. We sing that song all the time. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. Hallelujah. So my personal revival on a daily basis and your personal revival on a daily basis in fact, every time we pray is the life of the Holy Spirit reviving, resurrecting, and encouraging us. That's why we have to pray. That's why we have to pray. Very important. And I believe you folks. I believe you do. Amen. I hope you pray on Tuesday night when the rest of the church is praying, if, even if you're not here. But that's the call of prayer to come and to gather together in prayer. And, uh, but we have to know we're alive inside and we understand why we have a soul and, and why God created us and touches us and something deep down inside is, is real. It's real. Praise the Lord. I close with this scripture and I promise you I'm going to pray. Second Peter chapter two, verse one. Second Peter, Second Peter chapter two, verse one. I'm sorry. Second Peter chapter one, verse one. That's how you know I studied because I knew I was reading the wrong scripture. Simon Peter said this after he did his pleasantries. He said, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. That's you and I. We have like precious faith. What I feel, Roger feels. What Roger feels, Tom feels. What Tom feels, Rodney feels. What Rodney feels, Judy feels. We have a like precious faith. We feel his presence and his spirit. And he said, of like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. The knowledge. The knowledge of eternity. The knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of God. The knowledge of the holy. There's so many things that God gives us knowledge about. The knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Everything you need is in Christ. Everything. Everything. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Thank God that by these you might be a partaker of a Mercedes Benz. No. That you might be a partaker of a 10,000 square foot home. No, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption 
that is in the world through lust. Let me stop for a second and say this, that I'm so grateful that I'm, I, it isn't, doesn't always 100% come out, but I would hope more often than not, the divine nature of Christ comes out and not Jonathan. Now, last night when I was putting up Christmas decorations, Sister Scott was kind of looking at me. Amen. Because the divine nature wasn't coming out. I was getting frustrated. But all you got to do is go back to the prayer closet. And that divine nature comes out. But that divine nature comes out. Amen. And you're full of oil. And you start to do something, a little bit goes out. Your tank gets lower and lower and lower. When it gets down so low, you got to put some more oil in the tank. Amen? Got to get filled up. But he said that you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Yes, there are additions to faith. What are they? Virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should always be full that we can give somebody an answer why we've got what we've got and how we feel and how they can get it. Him. We don't want to be barren and unfruitful. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You're talking about somebody that is not an unbeliever, but is somebody that knew and has steered away from where they should be. Sometimes it happens. It shouldn't, but it happens, unfortunately. Let that not be said of us. Amen. That's why we need to hear the word of God. He said, wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are people, every one of us has a soul. Every one of us needs to realize what Jesus has done in our life and never forget it and always be ready to give an answer. And when we look at people, see them, not for the stupid, foolish, dumb things that they do. Because that's hard sometimes. But look at him and go, you know what? They're a soul that's empty. They just don't know him yet. Even Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Some people know. But there are people that don't even realize, I'm lost. I'm empty. And then there's people that are searching. And they think they're smart and spiritual and intelligent. But they don't even realize if you're not if you're not serving God and you're not surrendered to Him, then I'm telling you, you're spinning your wheels, buddy. You're lost and you're empty and you'll continue to be empty. 
and you'll sit there and listen to songs as you're tearing your beer and you're not even drinking your beer. You're just wallowing in all of the depression and the sadness and sorrow of it because you haven't found, you know, the answer to your problems or the answer of life. Well, I found you. Actually, he found me and he found you. And thank God. So church, don't you ever come in here and not worship God. He deserves your best. He deserves your praise. Amen. He deserves your praise. You want to get God's attention, get down to the Lord. Before you pray one prayer, when you utter one word, you go by the pattern of the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Spend 15 minutes hallowing his name. Just say, Lord, I thank you. Amen. I thank you. I'm not where I used to be. Amen. I thank you. I thank you today. Amen. For your goodness, your love, your mercy, your faithfulness. Just pick one word about God and think about it and talk about it. Amen. I went through the whole Bible from A to Z and I picked a word, something about God in every letter of our alphabet. Hallelujah. And by the time I got to L, which is love, my tears started streaming down my face. I said, Lord, not only are you loving. Amen. H-I-J-K-L-M. You're a majestic God. Amen. You're a marvelous God. Hallelujah. Almighty God, you just keep on going and the Spirit of God will come upon you. We have so much to thank Him for. He saved us. Amen. Some of us were never happy. And now all of a sudden, thank God, He gave us joy. Joy. And we rejoice. Even some in bad situations, we still rejoice. Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand tonight as we close. Father, I thank you tonight. I know I went a little long, but Lord, I thank you tonight. Encourage us in our faith. God, let us see. You have rescued us, our soul from hell. Let us never forget that. We have a relationship with our creator, you, God, who flung the stars into space, spoke the sun, the moon, the sea, the earth, and everything that dwells within them into, into, into their place, God. You spoke them into existence. Then you pinched, oh, Adam together and made him a body and breathed life into him and made him a living soul. And God, not only did you make him a living soul, but when he sinned, God, you redeemed him again. You made him over again inside. You renewed his spirit. That's us. Lord. That's what you did for us, Lord. You redeemed us, Father God, through your blood, through the blood of your Son. And Lord, tonight we rejoice and thank you that we're not a soul that's empty and in death, but God, we're alive. That death couldn't hold us, Lord, and the pains of death could not be over us. But Lord, you've set us free and liberated us, Lord, and today we rejoice in that and who we serve, Lord, today. And I pray Praise you, Lord. And I thank you for the loved ones, the people in my family, the family members of the people here at New Life, Lord. God, that are lost without you. Souls lost and in death. But God, you're going to raise them up, Lord. I believe you're going to save them, Lord, and get a hold of them. Let them realize they've got a living soul. They are a living soul that's dead to God, but God can become alive. Let that be there. 
their testimony. God, I ask you to touch them and draw them. We thank you tonight and pray your blessing upon this congregation. And God, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise him, church. Rejoice in him. Thank you, Jesus.